2: Welcome back to another edition of the Internet's Most Dangerous Tottenham Hotspur Podcast. It's summer, and we are here to talk about positive transfer news. I I know. I can't believe it either. Before we get into it, I want to remind you, because it's been a while, um, you should celebrate our summer transfer window by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify. And also, you should follow us on Twitter at WDR Podcast. That's WDR, as in Wheeler Dealer Radio. I am joined, as always, for this summer session by my regular co-host, coming to us from the sandy slopes of South Miami. He's helping Messi and uh, Busquets, you know, find a guy to sell them, let's say, skis. Uh, It's Brian Ashlock. Brian, how's it going in Miami?
0: It's great. It's hot. Rains every day. Just amazing.
2: You you doing everything to get the slopes ready for Messi?
0: Yep. Nope. We're super prepared. Um, Got down some fresh powder. Um, Uncut. So it's great. It's great.
2: We're just throwing metaphors out the window.
0: <laughs> no, no, that's a ski. Powder is a skiing thing. All you know. right.
2: All right. We're just talking I don't know about, about the see. I don't know
0: about the uncut bit. That might have been, you know, a little too on the nose.
2: And coming to us from the warm, sunny beaches of East Atlanta. He hasn't worn sleeves since Ryan Mason was the coach of Tottenham Hotspur. It's Ben Daniels. <laughs> ben, how are you enjoying your summer?
1: For the record, I am wearing sleeves right now. I know most times I look like Mac from Always Sunny with my sleeves cut off, but today is not that day.
2: What was the question? We appreciate your professionalism.
1: (laughs) Yeah, sun's out, gun's out. What can I do?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's Atlanta. Why wouldn't that be the case? I've
1: been hitting those 15s real hard, you know, getting ready for the beach.
0: (laughs) You know, got to stay in shape. Preseason uh, is upon us.
1: We're right. off to a
2: great start. So as we, uh, you know, pump that iron and get ready for the preseason, uh, I think it's We should start by revisiting a conversation we mostly had before he was hired. Um, but for once, we talked about a manager at like we were going to hire, and we actually did hire him, uh, Ange Postacoglu, I got it right. <laughs> My brain didn't totally lock up. Uh, he is Tottenham Hotspur's new manager. Uh, like I said, guys, I know we just talked about this, but. Now that we've had now that we've had time to let this sink in, Brian, we'll start with you. What are your, how are you feeling about this hire? Uh,
0: I'm very excited about our new dad. Um, I've just continued watching all of the team talk videos over and over again. I've heard him tell the story about his dad like 67 times at this point, and that was just like this week. Um, so you know, I, look, I think. Right now, we still really don't know anything like all we've ever even really gotten from Pasacoglu himself was like that pre-recorded video message. Like he hasn't sat down and done like a full interview with anyone yet. Like, I don't know. I, I, I'm i really excited for preseason, though, which I think is more than can be said for how how we've all felt like kind of the last couple of seasons. Um, and, we were excited uh, last
2: year, like, let's yeah, sure. we
0: were. We were excited last year. And I, I think we're, we gloss over that because of the way it quickly went. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think, I think for me personally, like my vibes are high. Like I'm excited to see what this team looks like. I'm at least like interested that we may play attacking football. So I'm, I'm still feeling pretty good about it. Ben, where's the pendulum?
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm high on big Ange. I'm excited for the season and what he's going to give us. But like Brian, I'm like kind of mystified by how like opaque and mysterious everything is like. We haven't seen him. We don't have a director of football. You know, Paratici's maybe still involved. Like, we just don't really know. There's no face of anything that's happening. We just get a bunch of random rumors and, you know, signings look like they're about to happen. And then they don't because... And they, well, they seem nobody. to be better
2: signings than we've had for a few years.
1: So. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about the, the signings we're not making, but we might be. But it's just like, there's no one talking to us. It's like all very like on pause and i understand everyone's got holidays after the season but it's a weird a weird nebulous time for us
2: i mean Ange like getting the job and going immediately on vacation is the most relatable thing a tottenham hospital manager has done i mean well at least since he called the team a bunch of losers at least since conte called the team a bunch of losers who didn't deserve to be here but you know aside from that really the most relatable thing a tottenham manager has done in ages so uh yeah i think brian's right the vibes are high i think one interesting Thing about all the conversations around him. And I appreciate, um, Ben, you were talking about opaqueness. I think his sort of coaching background kind of lends itself to that because he's coached much more obscure locations. Um, I understand why people are doing this, but I see a lot of people just sort of trying to figure out how Tottenham is going to fit into what Celtic did. And I, whereas I'm sure that is instructive, I, I don't think... If you look at his history, which I'm not going to pretend to be a tactical expert, but it looks like he's played different ways in different places. And considering what a poor fit we would be for specifically what he did at Celtic, I think one of the interesting things about this preseason is we have no clue what the hell he's going to do with us this year. And that is both exciting and a little mystifying all at once.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think for me, the thing is, is that we do know that we're going to be getting attacking football like that's that's the thing that we're we've been quote unquote guaranteed and that's that 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 is what Ange's DNA is is he doesn't know any way, other way he doesn't sit back in a low block like he just wants to attack 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 and and you're right we don't know what form that's going to take with with Spurs like you see people talking about oh will he play a back 3 with Australia sometimes and you know i, I don't know how we're going to line up i don't know who's going to fill what roles um but i think for me just the excitement comes from knowing that whatever it is it's going to be front foot stuff instead of sit back soak up pressure whatever um and 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 so i don't really care how we play uh and i think we've all talked about multiple times that what we want is just something to hope on and so like I, I'm not going to begrudge people, you know, hoping on how Celtic played or, you know, pretending to become Yokohama F Marino's experts to tell us how he, they played. Like, I don't care. Like, let's all just dig into this right now and let's make our hopes and dreams as big as we possibly can and enjoy this time before we play our first official game of the season and get, you know, annihilated and um, we'll go from there.
2: So I want to use this as an opportunity to bounce into a question we've had from a listener as I break format and wildly throw everyone off track. This is Um, fucking crazy. I know. Uh, Anthony D'Angelo, a fine regular listener of the podcast, he um, asked us, how do you define success for the next season? Uh, Inversely, how do you define failure? Uh, Ben, like if you're looking at next season, like what's a successful season to you?
1: I think a lot of it depends on how we approach the transfer window. You know, if we are, you know, I know. Again, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but rumors today came meeting with Bayern, and he's their first choice. And well, you know, it's,
2: it's it's worth contextualizing. Sorry, I should have done this at the head of the podcast. We are recording this in America on Monday night, so that is June where we are in terms of The transfer, yeah, that is where we are in terms of July twenty-sixth. Right. By the time you June wake 26th. up
1: in the morning, the world will be radically transformed. They'll
0: yeah. have found that submarine. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So, anyway, continue about – you were talking about Kane and Byron, Ben. I'm
1: sorry. Yeah, I mean, I think the approach to this season, this summer, and this season would depend radically on the shape of this summer. Is it going to be a big rebuild? Are we selling Harry Kane and, like, getting a lot younger and, like, planning for – and should take a season to, like, bed in some new blood and, you know – or are we saying, you know what, we got another couple of years of Kane and Son, we're going to ride until the wheels comes off – we're bringing in some other peak players like Madison, and we're gonna give Andrew the time to like you know transform things. But like we want, we have a squad that is still peak and post-peak guys, you know. And so, depending on how that shakes out, I think has a lot of different, you know, outcomes that I would be happy with. You know, if we do sell Kane and do something that looks like a big blow it up and start over i'm not going to be mad if we finish in eighth as long as it looks like we're trying stuff and the team is gelling and like we're you know building a squad that's learning a new style and i will be very happy i will call that a successful season if we finish eighth and have a bunch of young guys who are coming into this team and are like doing something that looks exciting like that'll be successful to me i think the flip side of that is if we do you know keep Kane and buy a bunch of peaking guys to play around him as we, you know, refresh a little bit on the margins. Yeah. I want to see us challenging for top four. And I think it's going to be frustrating if we make this sort of, you know, kind of half rebuild, um, you know, the mission statement for the summer, Um, it's going to put a lot of pressure on Ange, and it's going to demand a better finish than I would be otherwise willing to accept. I think, you know, if we're not really, if we don't make that, if we don't finish top four. Like the fact that we went for it, I may not be mad. I'm still willing to give pasta Coglu time, assuming things look well, but uh, yeah, I think, I think failure for sure is to me, keeping Harry Kane and saying, we're still riding this and like just having a really rough go of it and not giving pasta Coglu the time to, you know, actually build anything because we've overcommitted to stars who can't play his system and didn't buy him the kind of guys that he needs. That's, that's the big failure to me. And that's what I'm concerned about.
0: Yeah, I I think you're absolutely right. I don't think you can divorce it at all from, you know, what the transfer strategy is. Um, Like, if we decide to run it back, then, I mean, is anything less than top four and a trophy? Like, is that like, like that, that has to be what you're, aiming for if you if you run it back right like you're not you're not keeping Kane or on uh the last year of his contract just so you can finish fifth and and even then you're probably not even keeping him just so you can finish fourth like you want something tangible out of that whether that's a league cup an FA cup whatever um but yeah I think I think if we if we do actually commit to a rebuild um then then Ben's right like you, just seeing progress moving forward is, is what I want like I want us to see philosophically to get back to the roots of what we all associate with the club i want and you know so look is is a season where we finish like 12th or 14th or whatever chelsea finished this year does that suck yeah that super sucks and I'm not really excited about that like from a sheer points perspective but if we're doing the things and moving in the right direction, I think you can get some people behind it.
2: I, if we have a season like Chelsea, yeah, nothing is going in the right direction. I think we should be clear about that.
0: Yeah, I, I mean I, that's not that's not ideal, but I'm just saying, like you know, look, if we finish, if we don't get back into Europe next year, like that's not the end of the world.
1: If we looked like Brighton did under Graham Potter, where it was like. They were underperforming XG. They looked good. They were still finishing, like, ninth or tenth. But it was, like, fun football, and you were, like, you could see how it could get better. Like, that's the kind of thing that, like, I'm willing to be on board with, with with Pasekoglu.
2: I mean, I think we're all, especially with the way this has gone, I think we're kind of back where we were the first season of Pochettino. And I don't mean that as, like, an indictment or something, but it's, like, things haven't been going great. Like, we took a big gamble or three that didn't really work out. And... We're trying to get things on track. And I think, you know, there's obviously, I think there's different ways of measuring success. Obviously, if this team wins a trophy this year or finishes in a Champions League spot, you know, that's a successful season, no matter, almost no matter what. Else. But I think what's more important is that this club feels like it's rowing in the right direction with or without Kane. And, you know, I, I think it's easy for us to forget because we're sort of terminally online fans. I mean, we do a podcast about Tottenham Hotspur once a week during the season. We're a different type of fan. I, I thought Ben something. Well, no, I'm. there's a reason I miss said it. Ben, you told me a story about a friend of ours named Ed who lives in England who used to be involved in Tree Captain. And, and my understanding is not a very online fan anymore. And when we hired Paul Stacoglu, I remember he, you were telling me, he talked to you about how, like, what the fuck? Why are we hiring the manager of Celtic? Oh, my God. I think there, regardless of whether or not we sell Kane, there is an expectation reset because we hired such an unknown quantity as manager. I think there is going to be, if if you do see, like you, like you were saying, like Brighton under Potter, although hopefully not that, but, you know a team that is playing well, maybe underperforming or getting a little unlucky or just the victim of like, they had some growing pains at various points in the season, but you can really see it starting to come together, you know, and lest we forget like Pochettino's first season here was like, you know, we weren't all a thousand percent sold on Pochettino at the end of it. It was like, okay, well that like could have been better, but you can see it starting to go in the right direction and, you know, we'll see how it goes next year. Like, I think, you know, I'd like a little bit more than that, but to me, it's just like, if, I just want to see – it looks like we're moving forward at the end of the year. And I I think if I had to put, like, a – like, if I had to put some sort of marker on it, I would say real European football, um, like Brian was mentioning. So Europa League or better, like, not the Conference League. Like, that's kind of, I think, what might be, a in theory, a decent mark of a successful season. But really, I just want to see this – progressing in a positive direction and something that like oh this looks like we can build on it even if we have to if Kane leaves or whatever you know we we had a successful year that wasn't entirely built on Harry Kane or what have you I really
0: just think like as a fan base we're kind of going to have to adjust our expectations down like you know I think we all kind of talked ourselves into the last two hires to some extent to say okay well, these two guys, Mourinho and Conte, are guys that are serial winners. They're brought in to get just this. Totally group.
1: forget about Nuno's whole existence.
0: Wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. So two of the last three. Whatever. Shit. Um. You know. Uh. It, like they're just guys to get us over the line and and get this group a trophy and you know keep keep things ticking over. And, you know, the 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 way that the fans felt at the end of last season, when things weren't going our way, um, we're going to have to let some of like that sense of entitlement go. Like, especially if we engage in like an actual rebuild, like we're going to have to say, Hey, look, some of this performances are going to suck. Like there may be a time where we're in, you know, 13th in the league in November or, you know, whatever. But, like, we have to be willing to, as a fan base, as a club, like, stay the course on this. Like, if this is the thing that you Levy is committed to, like, this can't be a six-month job for Postacoglu. Like, this is a, a thing that we have to be... You know very clear-eyed about right now and know that this is not if a rebuild happens this summer it is not something that is going to be rebuilt overnight despite what we as fans want because of you know ticket prices because of the stadium because of i don't know beyonce for some fucking reason like we have to all adjust our expectations downward
1: yeah and i think you know, there's a, a way of looking at that as like settling or like we're taking a step backwards as a club. And like, why should we have to, you know, calibrate our expectations downward? Aren't we trying to be one of the biggest clubs in the world, whatever? But I think it's just a, a call to say this might take some time to get there, not we're going to be a mid table club now. And you just have to accept that we're not, you know, a Jose Mourinho, Harry King club that should be fighting for the title and how that Um, worked out
2: i mean i mean that's the thing what a lot of these people are calling for i think that's like the thing that i think it's overlooked like obviously mistakes were also made but like part of the reason we're in the mess we're in now is because we kept trying to be a quote-unquote big club we kept trying to make those moves and like you know fix the car while it's on the road and not like stop and rebuild things like you know, part of the reason we're where we are is because we didn't do this earlier. We didn't sort of just take stock of where we are, and make a few painful decisions, and you know get on with it.
0: yeah, no, but I, I think at the end of the day, i'm I'm happy with where we are right now. I'm happy with the coaching hire we made, given what was available to us. Um, I'm happy with the the players we're being linked with. Um, and I, i'm I'm still, you know, we're four days from the end of June. Um, so, and as of right now, I am still excited for, for this season. So we'll see how that changes once July is over.
2: Well, let's, let's talk about the other aspects of the club. Cause I think what's interesting is we've not hired a director of football. It seems like, uh, Gabonini, who was our former chief scout under Paratici is kind of running the show, maybe with Scott Munn, maybe with Daniel Levy, maybe with Fabio Paratici, um, how are you feeling about where Spurs' front office is, or do you think it's do you think it's still too opaque for us as fans to really comment much on?
1: I think it's definitely opaque, but I think even as opaque as the process was, there was a time when we were linked regularly with directors of football who we didn't end up hiring. And I think the fact that it's gone quiet, doesn't mean that we've suddenly developed better OPSEC around our DOF search. I think it does probably signal and like the ITKs and rumors and whatever kind of are echoing this that we're not moving to a director of football kind of setup. You know, we we feel that we have these things in place and guys like Abenini and Munn and, and Pasa is obviously a very dedicated talent scout himself. Um, you know, they're it seems like we're just going to cobble together some kind of director by compi- committee structure with what we've got going. And, At least for this window. Yeah, and I don't love that from a process standpoint. Does, like, you know, I think I think Pasacago has demonstrated with Australia like a a, a real a real ability to, you know, scout players and find guys with, like, marginal connections to the country and convince them to play for his, his, uh, his team and, you know, in the way that he brought players that he had seen in, in Japan over to Celtic. Like, he has demonstrated a, a good eye for talent, but that's just not what you want your manager to be doing, especially when he has so many other things to do as a full-time job to get this team playing the way that he needs them to play for us to be good. And so it's putting a lot on the other guys in this so-called committee. And I don't really think we have a great sense of who they are and what they're capable of. And, you know, we seem to have developed a very close relationship with this agency CA base that that MUN is uh, a part of, and a lot of our players are represented by. And, you know, I don't love the idea of being that closely intertwined with, with an agency and getting their, you know, their guys farm to us. Um, there's a lot of questions about like what this this setup is actually look like it might not be a disaster but like it's not what i wanted to see well
2: it's it's interesting i mean i, I guess this is always my challenge with it it's like because you sort like you said ben you kind of know the shape of what you want to see but all these processes are opaque there is a level of just who knows and you know i mean this could be as simple as like we're letting Gabonini be our director of football for the summer um I will say, like, I agree with you, and, like, on paper, this looks like a bad way to run things, but at the same time, I would argue that this, at least as of where we're standing tonight, this seems to be one of the better process transfer windows we've seen, or at least it seems to be. I mean, it looked like Brentford were going to mess us around on David Raya all summer, and we just said, all right, well, we're going to move on to the next name of our list. I can't remember the last time we sort of, like, we did anything that efficient or smart, uh, you know, and we'll see how this keeper we'll talk about him in a minute. turns out, but you know, the fact of the matter is Spurs didn't mess around for once. And, you know, you look at some of the other names like Madison's the, I think he's a good player. But he's the kind of guy we've been linked with before. But then you look at like the defenders we're tied in with it's, this is, you know, first of all, they're not Italian. Second of all, they're not premier league veterans. It's, I don't know. It, it does seem like on the one hand, Like, what we know about the process seems pretty ugly, but the results seem to be at least, you know, we'll see who we actually end up signing, but they seem to be going better than you would imagine, given what we know about the process.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you know, like, there's stuff out there that that Guglielmo Vicario, who is our Raya understudy, who we may be signing as goalkeeper is like a Paratici favorite, and Paratici is still like hovering around the club in some consultant capacity. And you're like, you know, did we get there through like smart analytics-driven goalkeeper evaluation coupled with scouting, or did Paratici know a guy and be like, I like this guy? And I don't know what the process is. And again, like you said, it's gonna be a real holistic uh, kind of outcome-based reverse engineering of how good our process actually was at the end of the transfer window. I think to really like kind of unpack any of this, but I uh, I don't know. It's it It
2: seems to be better than Golini. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: you mean? I mean, like you, like... like, yeah. But does he have a cool rap name? Did
0: Golini? No, no, that was. I mean, Golini had He had a rap his... name.
2: Was it cool? Is what I'm saying.
0: Oh no, yeah, it was cool. It was very cool.
1: Okay, but yeah, do I mean, you, like you look at looking...
0: Skywalk Like he's he was a cool rapper.
1: Like, I do think what you kind of can see is, like, because our transfer targets seem to be in very different buckets, you've got this Italian goalkeeper, you've got the very obvious James Madison, and then you've got center backs like Tapsaba and uh, Van De Ven and whoever else we have been linked with lately. Like, it all looks like – those look like three different people's idea of a player and not one process's idea of the kinds of players we should be signing. And maybe that adds up to something really good, but it looks disjointed.
2: Or they're taking different approaches to different positions. Yeah, maybe. A, yeah.
1: Yeah, like I said, like maybe having all these guys with all these different viewpoints and and skill sets, like behind the scenes, you know, picking out their favorites might add up to something that's like really good, rather than having one limited, narrow focus. But like, it also could just be chaos, and we don't. Really it could be.
2: It. I, I think one interesting thing about. Postacoglu is, I think, if you look at some of the reporting, clearly one of the reasons they hired him. And you could either, you could take this in two different ways, but it seems like he's not the kind of guy who's going to go film hostage video like Conte did. If he doesn't get exactly the player he wants, it's like, okay, this is the kind of guy I want for this position. Like, find something that works for that, and I'm gonna like, I'll, I'll say yes or no, and then we can move on with our lives. And, you know, you could look, read that as him being a yes man for the club or you could read that as him just not being a diva who's you know going to find a way to make it work. And if it's the latter, I think that's a very good thing for the club because, you know, I think part of all the drama we've had over these last few years is, I mean, honestly, going back to um, Pochettino, l- latter age st- stage Pochettino is just like just this, the front office fighting with the manager over like players to sign. And as much as some of it was Spurs being cheap, there was a lot of it about managers being divas about the whole thing. So, you know, if he's just willing to get on with it with a guy he thinks is good enough, then, you know, I don't think that's a bad thing for this club right now.
1: They're definitely taking great pains in every report to just be like, Ange really likes this guy.
2: Yeah, I way. love I love the Ange Pastacoglu signs off on James Madison. It's like, oh, does he? Yeah.
0: As though there's not like some you know massive bucket of Premier League proven players that he would sign off on. Like oh, J- he signs off on uh, Declan Rice. Like yeah, of course he fucking does. I don't know. I, I th- I'm I'm with Ben though. I think you know the the process stuff on this is still weird, and I, we're not until the Athletic does some five thousand word piece on it. We're really not going to have any clear idea of. I think what was going on this summer or who was doing what and when they were doing it. Um, I do disagree with Ben that, that it feels a little bit disjointed um, you know, like, cause the players seem to be coming from different buckets, but only in that, like, I think that the bucket they all kind of fit in is these are good players that fit our specific system. And I think the one we probably have questions about that with the most with is the goalkeeper, but From listening to people, you know, that are smarter than me, you know, that know about tactics and analytics and stuff. Goalkeepers just are, no one really knows. Um, And, you know, people that watch Serie A regularly seem to think that this guy is the second best keeper in the league. He's the second best Italian keeper. Like, that's pretty good. And he's half the price of David Raya, who we also were like, I don't know, he might be good. So seems okay um i don't know we're gonna like ben said we're gonna have to reverse engineer a ton of this stuff at the end to like assign responsibility either to Mun or gabanini or whoever um their yeah like it's it's all it's none of it's gonna make sense and we're all gonna be able to use it to fit like whatever narrative we want to build just because
2: of the opacity of the process but whatever i think if you look at Vicario, for instance, I think what's interesting about what's him. What's his is first like, name, Greg? Uh, Guglielmo. That's pretty good, actually. Yeah,
1: yeah pretty good. Um,
2: I think. Uh, is that New Yorker in you? Oh.
1: Hey, fuck a Guglielmo. Hey. Me and Marty
2: were watching it with Guglielmo the other day. It was... Forget about it. Um, We could call him Venom, I guess.
0: Isn't that his nickname? Yeah, I could I'm call never him,
2: him that that. I'm definitely,
0: definitely not calling him that. <laughs> um, he has to wear the mask, and then so. maybe I'll consider it.
1: He has to bond with the symbiote um, from outer space.
2: Exactly. Otherwise, exactly. get out of here. The Beyonder has to take him to Battle World, where he can... don't get too
1: in the weeds with the credits. Okay. Yeah, right. come on. <laughs> uh,
2: no, but I think one interesting thing, like you go back to when we signed Golini, is there were like a lot of Italian watch serial watchers who were like, "Man, I guess I don't know," and you know he lost a starting job at Atlanta and all this. And, and you read a lot of. He was at Napoli, wasn't he? No, he was at uh, now he's at Napoli. Um, another expert title winner, um, although another passenger doing it. But, um, but you know, you, you read everything about Vacario, and it's it's very like, oh, he's really good. And the only question around him is the question like I think to a lesser extent you had around a guy like Raya, which is like, okay, well, how are they going to play it like a team that's not defending how the back all the time, or you know, on a much bigger team and. That's fair enough, but, you know, I, I'm not the first Spurs fan to say this, but a lot of times you see fans of bigger clubs be like, well, why don't we sign these guys that, like, Brighton and Brentford or whoever, you know, get, you know, much cheaper early on. Now, some of the reason for that is, well, they have the sort of ability to, like, play these guys and let them learn from their mistakes and grow on the club. But also, they don't, we just, teams like Spurs don't take chances on these guys some of the time. So it's an interesting risk, I think. Like you said, Brian, like, Stats for keepers are much more unreliable than virtually every other position. So it's a little murky, but like it looks like, unless you're buying a sure thing, like this guy's about as good a risk as anyone else. So we know yeah. he's a great shot stopper. At least, like, you know, you watch a couple compilations and he is capable of doing some impressive shot stopping.
0: I, and let's talk about his compilations. I want to specifically talk about that triple save that he makes against Roma. That third one, he doesn't know anything about that like the fact that
2: he's sitting brian come on no the fact that he's
0: like somehow standing on his head and the ball contacts his foot no
1: uh goalkeeper is playing really well against you what do you say
0: he stands on his his head
1: head. no he literally stood on his
0: head all i'm saying is that third one he didn't know about it there's counting it as a save is ridiculous
1: Stood stood on his head
0: Absolutely it, it, insane. But it's really I, it's worse like a, finishing than anything. It,
2: it's, so it's such an it. interesting departure um, for Spurs, though, because they're just willing to not only take a risk on a player like this for a position as important as this, although like arguably paratici was taking an even bigger risk when he got Golini in here, but that's beside the point. But like it's a big risk. And the way we just like moved on from Riot was like, no, we're not we don't like him enough to get involved in this transfer saga. Like, see you later. I mean it's, it is a departure for Spurs.
1: I think the thing with goalkeepers is because Nobody knows anything. The goalkeeper market is insanely inflated for guys who resemble known quantities. Like, it didn't used to be the case. When we bought Hugo Lloris, we got him for, like, 12 million pounds. Two keepers.
2: Pounds. Two keepers have ever gone for more than 40 million pounds.
1: And, like, there now, that's, like, the Don't going they both race. play for Chelsea? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, actually, yes.
1: But, like, you know Man U's going to drop more than that to replace De Gea. Like, that's just, when you have a keeper that is a known quantity of being good— people are realizing that this is worth spending money on. And, like, the fact is, is we don't really know who's that good. And, like, you know, for Brentford to go out and pick up, like, Blackburn's goalkeeper a few years ago in the championship or League One and then now try to sell them for 40 million pounds, it's like there's a lot of inefficiencies in the keeper scouting Even if you believe
0: in the homegrown tax or whatever. Yeah. And I think the thing with with goalkeepers is, is, like, if it doesn't work, you can dump him, like you know. Look, or or you can sit on him and hope he comes good in a few years. Like, look at you know what Chelsea
2: did with Keppa. Like, what we did with Relio Gomez. I feel like that's all we did with Raulio yeah, Gomez.
0: Yeah. So it's just like it's not like you know a star striker or a midfielder where they get some crazy contract and some crazy fee, and then you're just saddled with them forever. Everybody always needs a keeper, like and you know whether it's you know sending them somewhere on loan so they play well for a few seasons and they get some you know exposure or whatever the situation is like you can always move on from a, a, a keeper and and like ben said the the market is is kind of just the same all the time like unless you're buying you know a, a donnarumma or 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 somebody like that or or unai simone from athletic babao like you're not going to be paying through the nose. Like you just like find a guy you like and then spend twenty to thirty million on him, and that's just another signing. Then, yep,
1: yeah, and I hope you know we we were linked with a couple other guys. We had the, that Georgian fellow, uh, Mamardashvili, and there's other guys that like are in the same ballpark that we were. You know, we clearly had a list of guys we were considering. I mean, Manana, bring I guess, realistically, what Joe Hart.
2: Yeah. Hey, yeah. hey
1: if, if Ange
2: Postacoglu can build a front for a front facing, aggressive, possession oriented team with Joe Hart as its keeper, I don't care if it's in Scotland like that. Like, how much does he really need to work with?
1: Yeah. How many shots does Joe Hart face the season? Like seven <laughs> at Celtic? Come on.
0: Yeah. And do they know in Scotland that he can't dive to his which direction is left?
1: Yeah, somebody had to figure yeah. that out. He's not an ambi diver. We know that for sure.
0: Yeah. It's one way or the other. It's not both. Yeah.
1: But like it did that does feel like at least we had a guy, we went after him, we got told the price was too high, set up a list of next targets and then picked our guy and then we're done here. And that kind of efficiency with the backup list feels good in terms of process you know like i think a lot of people look at this and be like oh you know fucking Levy, just pay the money for the guy if he's your guy and we get some bullshit backup nobody's ever heard of from italy like you know it doesn't feel like we like we're scrambling we're like oh fuck we don't have a goalkeeper anymore we got to spend another month chasing down a bunch of leads it was like we were ready to pull the trigger on guy number two and if he wasn't there margarita was number three and we had and, that lined up, too. Well, and and like, I think you
2: could realistically, you know, say, like, we think these guys are in the same tier. I believe that, like, Raya probably had a little more value because he is homegrown and he has played two years in the Premier League or whatever it's been. And, like, there, I think there is some value in, like, having a bit of a more of a sure thing. But, like, yeah, if they're going to just try and extort us all summer and you think Vicario is, like, anywhere in the same ballpark, then, like, fuck it. Just, like, let's all get on with our lives and, you know, save a little bit of money while we're at it. Well, and I think
0: what I wonder about it is, is if Vicario wasn't kind of like top of our list and then, but you have to ask about Raya, you know, like he's out there, he exists, he's homegrown, you know, he kind of fits the style, but you have to assume that Brentford, given where they finished in the league and what their plans for their club are, that they're not going to let him go, but you have to ask anyway and so I wonder if maybe that's kind of what we did as opposed to moving on to the backup on our list. Uh, it's like if Vicario was number one and we were like, well, but before we do that, we should at least ask if Brentford will take, you know, 20 million for Raya. And then when they were like, no, fuck
2: you. We we're like, all right, cool. Well, we just wanted to check. I mean, I don't know. I think Raya was our number one and we just thought we were going to get them to come off of it. And it seems like that ain't happening. Um, <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, for a guy in the last year of his deal, they've already bought his replacement. It it was reasonable to think that that was a place we could negotiate. And I think Brentford maybe have overplayed their hand because there doesn't seem to be a lot of other interest. Well, in it seems like
2: guy. United aren't going for him. So, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, you know, I, I think the one thing that it does say about where we're at as a club is it sounds like we're kind of moving away from being everyone's stalking horse.
2: It was that, that was nice.
0: Yeah. And so like, you know, whether it was, we just checked on Raya or he was option one and we quickly moved to option two. like, you know, I know that we are all super tired of being like in transfer discussions over the same guy for four fucking months or, you know, getting our name continually linked with a player over and over again while they're just using us to increase wages or increase the transfer fee or whatever. Like, this time we were just like, oh, he does it. He's not – he wants to come, but you're not going to let him? All right, well, we're done then. Like, we'll, we'll move on.
1: Right. How many it, times – oh, go ahead.
0: No, go ahead. That was, that was the end of my thought. I was going to
1: say, how many times have we seen Daniel Levy be like, I could chisel two million pounds off of this transfer fee. Yeah. We're going to spend three months doing that. And then either you get it done and you're like, great job. You saved like two million pounds on a 50 million deal or you didn't and now you're fucking scrambling. And to just say no – that's and big. It's, That's big for us.
2: Well, it's funny because, like, at the same time, we've got the James Madison deal, which, you know, they're theoretically, they want 60 million pounds for, um, for a guy who, they uh, want 60 million pounds <laughs> for a guy who, sorry, ben, Ben's wife, we have an Arsenal fan on the podcast, but briefly. Um,
0: ben, you needed to do more Italian to be, hand gestures. You to be a
2: Brian. Um, no, but with Madison, you had um, <laughs> with Madison guy. I should have muted. I I, I should have learned from Brian. You should have. You should have. Uh, anyway, with Madison, you have a guy who they're trying to get sixty million out of us, but everybody and his mother just seems inc- confident about this in a way that like they just didn't with Raya. I know a lot of people thought we were going to get Raya, but. Everyone city seemed pretty consistent. They're not coming off that figure. Like, no one seems to think Lester's not coming off that number. So, I don't know. Like, we'll see how long it takes for the Madison thing to re- resolve. But I, it seems like that's not going to turn into a saga that the Raya thing was threatening to. So, I, I, what do you guys think of Madison as a player? Putting aside whatever kind of transfer nonsense we have. Brian, let's start with you. Well, where, where do you think? So,
0: so, to start with the the transfer stuff, I think the difference between... Uh, yeah, sorry. Sorry, Greg. I'm sorry that I'm ignoring your question. To start with the transfer stuff, I think the difference between the Raya situation and the Madison situation is, like, we have some leverage here where, you know, Leicester are playing in the championship next year. And Madison very much does not want to play in the championship and get the shit kicked out of him for 48 fucking games or however many they play. Like, he, he he wants to be in the Premier League.
2: And they uh, can't afford it. Pro- they probably can't afford his wages in the championship
0: yeah. and so, like you know he's he is probably their most saleable asset. And you know, why why wouldn't you take something? And so, like this is one of those ones that may drag on a little bit because Levy is interested in hacking you know one and two and three million dollars off the price, like whatever. I'm, if that's the case, i'm I, I guess I'm okay with that happening. But anyway, to return to the premise of Greg's original question about what he is as a player, I am less excited about him than I think a lot of other Spurs fans are. Obviously, he's very good. I think, obviously, he would improve the club in a bunch of ways. Like, just set-piece taking uh, would be great, Uh, you know. But I I don't know. I, I, I don't know that he really fits into sort of, like... The attacking midfielder, the like the number eight sort of role that people are talking about him playing. I don't know. You know, he's not better than son. I don't think if son is, you know, fully recovered from an injury. So. I don't know, I, I think for me personally, I would rather we looked at other players, but he's good. He's Premier League proven he's homegrown like he does have uh, advantages, but I don't know. I, I I'd like to look elsewhere.
1: I like Madison a lot. I like him. I think the issue with Madison is his age. You know, he is about to be 27 this season. And if you're talking or dreaming about rebuilding this team around like a younger core, he's kind of not that he's, you know, obviously younger than Kane and son and maybe a good bridge to the next generation. But, you know, it doesn't really fit the age profile of the kind of outfielders that we've been targeting with like Kulishevsky and Benton even even like you want this team to get younger. That's been a big problem. Um, but in terms of talent, I think he gives us something. We just do not have a creative number 10 on the ball guy. Um, we have a very, we, we, we lack a lot of like heavily ball dominant players on this squad. Uh, people who just like want the ball in possession, to do stuff with all the time um, and he's a great long distance shooter he is a great set piece taker free kick taker um, you know he brings a lot of of elements that we could use and a level of creativity that like we really lack i think to your point about like where exactly does he fit it is kind of odd because This goes back to that early conversation about how exactly are we looking to play this season? You know, are we doing that Celtic 4-3-3 with a six and then two eights who crash the box and wingers who stay high and wide and fullbacks who are kind of reserved and tucked in? Or are we doing something different? And if we're doing the Celtic thing, Madison's much more of a 10-slash-right winger than he is a, a free eight. You know, he's not as defensively robust as, as like ticking possession over kind of midfielder. Um, But he is a kind of get forward from there, get in the box and, and mix it up and contribute to goals. So it's a weird fit for that role. And it's like, if you're the guy that we're like our our number one attacking signing is him. I got to think it's going to look somewhat different than the Celtic system because he just doesn't, he just isn't that kind of player. Um, and so that's, it's interesting that we're targeting him because it means something different's going to happen or it's a really bad transfer and doesn't really fit what Pasta wants to do. And so it's another one that's going to shake out weird. Um, to back up to his like sort of overall tactical remit as a coach, Guys like Sun and Richarlison are not guys that make sense in a system. You know, Kulishewski sort of makes sense in a post I, th-
0: I think Richarlison does. He he presses a lot as a as a forward,
1: but he doesn't have any on-ball value. Like he's not a guy who is like getting the ball in the wings and like dribbling three guys and like creating opportunities for other people. He is a wide forward slash striker who wants to be off the ball, getting into space. To, to take chances for himself. And that's not how he wants his wide forwards to play. And, like, we have a lot of guys who aren't that. So I think given the makeup of the squad we already have, either we have to do a lot of surgery to change it into the kind of squad that he needs, or he's coming up with something different that takes advantage of the strengths of guys like Son and Richarlison and now Madison, and it's going to build a kind of different-looking version of his system. I have no idea. Here's my thing. Madison can fucking
2: progress the ball. And we were so bad at that last year. And I understand it's not like an elegant fit into like if we're just going to run the Celtic system, which I don't think we're going to run that exactly. But like my guess is that Pasta is a flexible enough manager and that Madison fits well enough into the things he wants to do that he's going to find a way to make James Madison work. And I am desperate enough for someone who can just get that ball up the pitch and progress or get it into dangerous zones and be a goal threat on his own. Cause part of the problem last year is nobody was scoring goals except Harry Kane. Cause son was like hurt all season. So like adding another goal threat can't be a bad thing. Like Brian was talking about earlier, adding someone with his free kick skills can't be a bad thing. And adding someone with his ability to pass can't be a bad thing. I, I Maybe this is just in my weird corner of Spurs fandom, but like, I don't think any version of a Spurs rebuild – I think if tomorrow we wake up and find out that Tottenham Hotspur have sold Harry Kane to Bayern Munich for 30 million pounds because we just want to turn the page, I still don't think any version of the Tottenham Hotspur rebuild is going to be – we're going to strip this squad down for parts, it's going to be a bunch of deli alleys, and like it's going to be a youth squad. Like We're going to start over from scratch. Like Any version – of the next Spurs team is going to transition with a couple players who probably aren't going to age out into like when we're going to win the league. James Madison is a very good player who I think will make this team a better team. And he could probably, you know, like we could win a cup with this guy. Like, I don't think we're going to like win the league or anything, but like he is a very good player who is going to make us better as a team. And I think more importantly, you know, I don't want to get too into, like, where is he going to fit in pasta system? Because we just don't know what pasta is going to run. For what we're talking about right now on June 26th, what I can tell you is James Madison does a lot of things that this team was desperate for last year. And I understand we're not going to play the same as we did last year. But a player like him would have made us so much better the last two or three seasons. And I am just happy to have someone who can do the kind of things he can do, theoretically, in this team. And I think he's someone that, like, is good enough and versatile enough that they're just going to figure out a way to make it work.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think look, if your goal is to just have good players, which I mean is most football clubs' goal. But if your goal is to just have good players, then I think obviously he's better than some of the other players he's replacing. He's obviously better than Brian Healy. He's obviously better than Lucas Mora. He is, you know, I I think he's maybe better than Kulusevski, and uh, maybe it's not even maybe. Maybe he is better than Kulusevski. I don't know. Um, you know. But the question that that then brings up is like. What, what's what's the clarity of our direction as a club, you know, so like I understand what you're saying, Greg, is that there there needs to be some sort of bridge to go if we even if we are engaging in some sort of rebuild, there needs to be a bridge between, you know, full rebuild, only 18 year olds play and, you know, and and what actually happens. And I just think that for the amount of money you're talking about on someone that's a bridge signing that isn't going to set you up long term for success. And so I th- I think yes, he's a good player and so if you think that what you need to do is you have these guys and you're keeping Kane and Son and you are running it back but with some better players around you know, uh, and a thinned out squad that does the exact things that the new manager wants to do, then I think that's a totally fine and, 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 and good signing. But I think if your goal is, you know, rebuild and take this club into a new era, that 60 million pounds or 40 or 50 or whatever the final number winds up being on a 27 year old, who maybe doesn't have a position in the system we think our manager likes to play is not the best use of that money.
2: So here would be my response to that is any version of where we want this team to end up is going to need to do the kind of things that James Madison does. So, the problem with bringing a Madison in right now is if there is like if there was a youth player he was blocking, which it doesn't seem like that's the case right now. If there was a. Another if, if we were going to go out and get like what was his name? What's the French players name? Cherky, Am I saying that right? I'm OK. Mm-hmm. So for once, I'm not mispronouncing it. If there was like if that was a guy we had a line on and we were making a conscious decision and, you know, maybe that's what's happening. I, I think we're never going to probably aren't going to be in a position to know that. Maybe that's a mistake, but to me it's like there's gonna be bridge players and Madison does the kind of things that we're gonna want this team to do he's the kind of player we would like to see on the next good tottenham Hotspur team. maybe not exactly but you know talking about progressive passing goal score that those kind of things that's kind of gonna be what we need in the team and you know t- as, as far as right now again sitting here on june 26th, is he like a bad tactical for, for Tactical fit for Postacago. I would hope that when they say, and Postacago is signed off on this signing or wants him at Tottenham Hotspur, then he is like thinking, all right, well, if I do this with him, it's going to work, and that makes a lot of sense. Like, yeah, if he was bringing him on that Celtic team, that might not fit. I hope that Postacago has an idea of how he would deploy Madison, but to me, it's just like you just can't build a team, you can't build a boat out of 18 year olds. Like, it would be great. But you just got to get some good talent in here. And I think he is very effective and does very good things and will make us better. And, like, what the hell are we doing here if we're not just trying to be a little bit better? So,
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'll make the case for Madison. I like – I I think talent-wise, he's fantastic. And age-wise, like, he's 26 years old. Like, we're talking about him like he is the – Until
2: he's 27.
1: Fucking Crypt Keeper. Um, he turns 27 in November, you know. He's got at least three seasons of like peak play for us. like that's a reasonable length of time to like sign a guy and if he ages well, who knows how, you know how many more years he can give us. Um, but like if you look at the makeup of our squad right now, you know you, to go back to the sort of pastacaglo Celtic system, which was a six and two box crashing free eights, the way that our midfield is constructed currently is like four sixes. You know, so we've seen Bentancourt and Hojbjerg have that capability to be more attacking threats. They've both chipped in with like five goals this season. You know, like they're not donkeys when it gets to the final third, but they're more reserved midfielders than that kind of profile looks like. So, you know, a, a, a three-man midfield that is a little lopsided and has two guys... You know, one of the guys who's like more 60 and one guy who's more eight, y, like that, that balances out fine. Like it's not, it's not going to be a problem. We're not going to have like a, you know, I don't think we're going to play like a midfield of Basuma with like Madison and Kulishevsky in front of him as eights. Like we might not be fun as shit, but like, you know, I don't think like we're going to go play Man City that way and be like, oh my God, what a, what a soft, lightweight midfield. Why did we buy this guy? This doesn't make any sense. But, go to, like Basuma, Bentoncore, and Madison is not like you know, it's basically like a pivot with a ten in front of him. It's it's not that different from his system, but it's like different enough that it accommodates the squad that we already have and the guy that we're buying. Um yeah. you know, and he has played in a sort of interior role in like a four one four one that Lester used to run out a lot. He's played from the right so he can spell Kulosevsky over there. Like he he has a fit in the team. Um you know so i don't think it's like totally outrageous and then again i don't want to get too in the weeds on tactics but like when you have hungman son on the left who's like obviously going to still play You're not having the typical Postacoglu wide touchline guy. You're having a guy crashing the box from there. So you maybe don't need a left-sided eight who's going to get in his way. So a more reserved midfielder kind of makes sense, especially when you've got like Destiny Udoji behind him who wants to get up the wing. Like you can kind of see how within the confines of our existing squad, his system kind of rebalances itself in a way that still affects those general principles, but like the angles of attack and the approach – come from different places because the players are just different kinds of players than he had to work with at Celtic. And I think he's a good enough coach to like Mm -hmm. do this same thing that I'm just spitballing here and say, how do these guys fit together and still cover the zones that I need to and overlap and protect each other and also provide X number of players in the box in the final third and X number of players in midfield when we're in possession and like do all of those things. And so I don't know. I, I trust the guy to make it work and Madison's really good.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to be mad if we sign Madison and I'm, I'm, I'm probably not even going to be mad if we spend 60 million on him. But like, I, I think the thing to me is, is if you're, if we're looking at this team, I think there's probably better or other ways that you can spend, you know, 60 million. Like for example, everyone in our writer's room loves Enzo Lafie from Lorient, who's going to what Ren, I think is where he's going. And the price is 25 million euro, 20 million euro. Like, and he is a literal. He he could play that eight role. He's a creative passer. He's he could do a ton of things uh, and he would be great for us. And, you know. I, I understand that that is now not realistic based on what he's doing. But yeah. Like, like, that's the so kind of I, thing that I want. And he's 23 as opposed to 26, almost 27.
1: Here, here's the thing.
2: There is. I guess ideally that is the kind of player you want to get, and I'm not saying we shouldn't, but I do understand Spurs if they are approaching this from the perspective of, you know what, when it comes to, like, getting a passer, we're going to buy a sure thing. Sure, like, absolutely. I, I actually don't mind. if they're f- From my perspective as a fan, if there's any position in this squad as oriented right now, especially if we're not selling Kane, that I don't mind them spending a little bit extra on to get someone who they have, like, has, like, succeeded in the Premier League, is homegrown, it's someone in the midfield who can pass the fucking ball because well, either by choice or by decision, like we have not been able to get someone who does that in here.
0: Well, years. I think what you're forgetting is that um, we do have Tongi and Domble returning to the squad. Yeah, and,
2: exactly.
0: And he is, if nothing else, a great
2: passer of the ball. Just shame about everything else. Well, I mean, we'll see. It's, I think it's an interesting. I'm I'm interested to see how Big Ange uses him because I, I do really like him as a player and I think he could solve in some form or fashion a lot of the problems we've had the last few years. Obviously it's he has to be used correctly, but you know, he's also like if you think about it, he's the only like sure thing older paying a premium player we've been linked with this window. I mean, even Raya is was not like for a keep in, in keeper. Years he he wasn't that old. Um, yeah, he really is a bit of an exception from everyone else we've been linked with, including the two center backs we've been linked with, who are actually pretty exciting. Now I'm not going to sit here and pretend I watch a lot of Bundesliga because, unlike the Premier League or La Liga, it is a fraudulent league that is not to be taken seriously. However, they do have some good players, and Tapsoba and uh, Van Deven Va- Van de Ven? No, anyway Van um, VDV Wondaweb the Ws uh, are the V's we don't know Yeah, we don't we'll find. Find out, hopefully. Um, these guys look like really exciting players. I mean, um, Vondavan looks like uh, like just a—I mean, I mean if, the only thing I can say with confidence about him is that guy is a physical beast. He can run and run and run for days. And he's Jan Vertonghen, top. but taller and faster. Yeah, well, they're, 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 if that's what he is, then sign me up. We've been linked with him, but he's the backup to uh, Topsoba from Leverkusen, who— Again, I'm not going to pretend I've watched a whole lot of Leverkusen, but, like, the compilation videos look nice, and every smart person I follow who, like, cares about Spurs transfers is very excited about him. I I think, by all accounts, we are—Tapsoba is our number one target. We are in negotiations with Leverkusen for him. Um, I still have not seen a reliable number attached to him, so— I don't know if he would be the only center back we buy because I've seen 25 attached to him. I've seen 50 attached to him. I mean, if he's 25, let's buy both. Um, I don't know, but I am encouraged that we are looking at players with these, these age profiles and players who are not from Italy. Um, Even though the last Italian center, well, Italy based center back we bought worked out pretty well for us, but it's, again, it's like, we talked about the process earlier. The process doesn't seem great, but if it's, you know, if, if it's spitting out players like this, like something's working or it seems like well, we, were,
0: we were linked to an Italian like center back left back. What we? is his name like Bongiorno or something? Very. Standard, yeah. Was that real Italian? or was that just a parody? account? <laughs> who, who can say? I'm not even sure he's a real player. Who knows? No, I, I think the center back targets are definitely. um something to to give you a little hope like if you're if you're talking about like oh hey we're actually looking at stats and numbers and you know really evaluating young talent like identifying the the, the kind of group of five guys like maybe it's not rocket science but like we 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 found the right guys for the type of football we want to play and it sounds like we're going for them um and and i'm with you greg i i won't pretend a ton of Bundesliga football, but like, you know, everybody that I trust as being, you know, reasonably smart about football seems to be very high on Tapsoba specifically and, and not, you know, they, they seem fine with uh, the other guy from Wolfsburg. These people also Archer. all of them
2: Ndombele, so like.
0: Yeah, they did. They liked Ndombele and.
2: <laughs> yeah, also. and Ndombele is awesome. Okay. <laughs> he
0: just won Serie A. He just won the Scudetto, so maybe put some respect on his name. <laughs> Um, but you know, I think I think it's it's good because like there was that brief time where Longley was being linked, and like maybe we would continue, like maybe we would take him on even at a reduced price, and da da da. And it seems like we've kind of moved past that, or at least that that well, deal yeah, is on the back process <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like you know, it's I'm excited. I think. Both of these guys are, are are really good and and interesting players that are, I guess, the type of age profile that you want if you're if you're looking to rebuild or, or or to you know start a next phase basically.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited for the possibility of signing both of them because they're both versatile in different ways. Tapsoba can play both sides of the center back, and Van de Ven can play left back as well as left center back. So. You know, you could have the two of them and Romero and feel like between the three of them, you've got your center back situation covered and you've got extra minutes for Van Deven at left back if you need it. If we dump Ben, you know, Ben Davis and Regulon and (laughs) Sesame and every other fucking left back we've acquired over the years. Um, But, you know, for me, we haven't really talked about outgoings yet, but like, I would love to clear out every center back of this club, except for Romero. So grabbing a couple of these guys, does
2: Ben Davies count as a center back?
1: No, but Ben Davis, if we do keep him, I'm not mad about, because again, he provides versatility. If we end up playing a back three for whatever reason, we know he can do that. And, you know, and I think in a more reserved left back role that supports midfield and doesn't have to run all the way up and down the flank, um you know like he would have to do as a wing back is kind of where he's at at this stage in his career and like it could work so like i'm not mad about him um so yeah i I like to see us linked with an encouraging number of center backs and i really hope it's not going to be a situation where we just sign one of them and keep you know eric dyer around and then pick up long life for cheap and call it a day uh it's not the worst situation in the world but like I'd like us to refresh that whole core of players. Uh, what's that, Greg?
2: You're pulling I, I, a Brian. I, there. Uh, I just want this team to bite the bullet and clear some of these guys out. Like, I, I don't want to be mean about it, but it's like I am tired of watching Davidson Sanchez out there. I am tired of watching Eric Dyer out there. Maybe that's not fair because Eric Dyer you know, was playing with an injury last year. But like, I'm tired of watching guys like Long Lay out there, even though like I could defend him if he's – you know, like a third or fourth center back. But, like, I would just like to, you know, we've had a back three. that's caused some problems in terms of squad construction moving forward. But, like, just bite the bullet, even if it's going to be ugly for a season. Like, just, like, you know, it can't be worse than we had last season with our center backs. Like, just, like, God, get at least one, like, starting center back in like you said ben i would love to get both of these guys in and you just got like a real sort of you know then you could keep davies or Dyer. you know i don't know if you really feel the need to bring long label at back like fine but like you know then you've got a center back core that doesn't make you like want to put your head through a wall like for the first time in ages so let's do that
0: it's really interesting that we we haven't heard a lot of rumors about outgoings other than like Lo Celso to Villa, like, and, and then the Kane stuff. But like, none of the other players that we really like want to get rid of are are linked anywhere. And I have to wonder if that's like partially because Ange is gonna give everybody a little like tryout basically and see if they can fit before going. Nope, fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Fuck him
2: especially. Like, you I know, think both. I think it's both. I think I think some of these guys aren't going to like all the reporting. Like very loud reporting has been done about and is going to be given a chance. And you know if he shows up like eating a Big Mac and training, then you know he's probably going to go. You I don't would know. Hope big Ange might like that if he has a if he has a Big Mac and a Foster's.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's big Just boy a, season, baby.
2: <laughs> I mean, I would love it if he could get a tune out of and I think it's really funny, by the way that. All the big rumors coming out of the club are like, Indombly gets another chance. But it's like, yeah, Lo Celso, that guy's fucking out of here. <laughs> like, no thank you. Um,
1: I mean, it sounds like Lo was like, fuck this place.
2: Yeah, no, I think that's exactly it. I think Indomely is like, oh, my career might be dead. I better get my act together.
0: He's like, they're still going to pay me all that
2: money, right? Well, maybe I'll consider it. He calls up the Saudis and it's like, oh, well,
1: <laughs> they don't want me. Um Yeah, I think it's tough to see, like, this long list of players, like, we're like, come on, you don't have a future here. And, like, we haven't done anything. Meanwhile, Saudi Arabia is, like, just throwing cash at Chelsea for every fucking bullshit nonsense player that they have flooded their roster with. And it's like, it would be nice if we could (laughs) take advantage of that a little bit. Not that I support all of what's happening, but, like... That's where the money is. Uh, we've got a lot of players that, like, I wouldn't mind meeting a bone saw in another country <laughs> for skim.
2: Getting packed into a suitcase <laughs> yeah. and sent to Saudi. Well, that explains why Indomable has not been linked. To the yeah, Saudi like
1: I'll send send S- Harry Wiggs in pieces for them. Save them the trouble.
2: Yeah,
1: I mean it's, it wouldn't
2: be that <laughs> hard. You should see you should see what Harry Wiggs is writing <laughs> about about wars in the Middle East. Right?
1: Now. I could fit him into a carry on. Come on.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Didn't think that's where this was going to go, did you, Craig? Well,
2: you know, it's funny because a few years ago, Spurs were actually kind of ruthless with a few of their players. I mean, we we obviously, like, fucked up with Doherty, but, like, they let Aurier go. They weren't getting anything for him. Like, I'll be encouraged if towards the end of the summer, because obviously I think a lot of clubs are just going to wait us out. Because it's like, oh, well, you want to get rid of Davison Sanchez? Like, how about five bucks, you know?
0: Man, that Matt Doherty
2: thing feels like five fucking years ago. Everything feels like five years ago. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I would like to see this team just get a little ruthless because there's just some names here where it's like either you facilitate a transfer. Like, oh, Hugo Lloris wants to go finish his career at Nice. Like, let them have him for, like, 500,000 euros. Like, who cares? Like, we just need to clear some guys out of the squad. And, you know, no one wants Davison Sanchez at the end of the window. Davison, we're going to terminate that contract and you can go find your next job. Like, it's just, it's time to clear some dead weight. And if we got to suck it up on our transfer bill for, or on our wage bill for a year or two, like, now's the time. I find, I would find it very hard to
0: believe that there's not someone in, like, Spain or the Bundesliga or lower level Premier League that is not willing to pay money for Davison Sanchez.
2: But that's my point is like, If you've got to take a little bit less than you'd like because they know they have you over a barrel, well, guess what? Now's the time. to to Money's money, right? Well, you try to get as much as you can for them, but you don't just hold on to them out of principle is what I'm saying, which is what we've done the last couple of years.
1: I think one of the things that I don't know if we've talked about this already, but the things that Ange has done at his previous clubs has been a ruthless house cleaning at every level. Even with the Australian national team, he told a bunch of old vets who were hanging on, you know, thank you for your service, but we don't need you anymore.
0: I, I think what he said to them was, good day, mate. <laughs>
1: I think that's exactly what he said. Uh, so, yeah, I am happy for him to good day, mate, you know, half our squad. And it seems like he is a guy who is more than willing to do that and take a hard look at things and say this needs to be refreshed. And these guys need to get out of here because I think he recognizes that as much as it is about like their abilities on the pitch, it's like you want to build a fresh clubhouse in your image. You don't want the player power of, you know, the player committee out here undermining him or, you know, who think they're going to be here for the next manager. And so they don't need to buy into your system because you'll be gone in a year. Um, I think he very much recognizes that and has demonstrated, uh, An ability to do that so i don't think we're gonna not clear the squad i just would like to see it start sooner rather than later and i hope we get more money rather than do a bunch of matt doherty's
2: but Uh, i i I do think you're gonna see like i don't know let's use davis and sanchez as an example even though i agree with or let's use harry winks as an example like i think we're going to try and get money out of him. And if we get to the point, like this just might happen at the end of the window is what I'm saying. Because like, if it, we're not going to know for sure, we can't get anything for these guys till the very end. And then it just might be like, all right, we're going to give you like two days to go find a new club. Bye. Like
0: imagine how quickly this podcast will turn on Posse Coglu If Harry Winks becomes a big plug. So that would
2: well, be very- he's I a fraud. Well, he's the- you get him out. <laughs> you can stuff Harry Winks inside a can of Foster's. So how much, All right, we're going to sit here. Okay, let's move on to no. some questions before we wrap up. You, so see, you trip. cut out on my end,
1: so yeah. I have no idea what you said. I thought it was me, but I guess it was you.
2: Oh, all right. Well, good. You guys just weren't no-selling me. All right. I said Harry Winks won't fit into a can of Foster's, or can fit in a can of Foster's much Respectable big a Big for him. All right, let's move on. Um,
0: <laughs> that was the joke you were mad at us for no-selling?
2: <sighs> Shut up, Brian. I'm <laughs> just saying. I assume be this is another bone-saw
1: joke, this. and we could get him down to Foster's can size. It's a pretty big can. He's a pretty small guy. You don't need to. He's a really <laughs> tiny guy. You just fold him up, like. Let me make sure with the bone saw. Yeah, um,
2: okay.
0: Start there. We'll work. We'll work backwards. We'll
2: workshop it. We got a. It's a long summer. Um, our our Patreon no sell tier. Um, they can I mean, hear we us. We really do need jokes. to pick
0: up more information about like Australian stereotypes, so that we can do more bits about. Right, Brian, Brian.
2: I've watched every episode of Bluey like five times. I. I got you. Yeah,
0: but I mean, I think that's just going to reinforce the raw, like, uh, correct. It's not going to get the ruthless side of him. It's just going to be, it's going to be the dad side, you know? Um, but you know, we, we got to get the other side of him, the, the chaotic Australian
2: energy that we don't understand. So let's get to some of our listener questions. Um, all right, cool. It's late, man. Um, (laughs) you did this to us. Yeah. Yeah. I got a kid. Fuck you. Uh, (laughs) Um, From Tom, at Thomas Super, he wants to know, uh, do you think Ange is going to bring in any Celtic players? It's I think it's been really interesting how there haven't been a lot of reliable sources tying us to a binky for Big Ange.
0: I mean, he's not even getting to bring any of his Celtic coaches with him. Uh, So I can't imagine that they see... you know, they seem kind of put out by the whole situation, so it doesn't seem like they'll be giving us any of their players.
2: Can you imagine, uh, like, you're not allowed to follow your boss of the Premier League, and then you also have to work with Brendan Rodgers, like... Yeah, what a downgrade, right? <laughs> um, no,
0: I'm not really interested in any of their players. Uh, so, you know, uh, their Jota seems like he might be okay, but, like...
2: He's the one. Not- like, if he really wanted Jota, it's, like, fine. Like I don't yeah. even we need him, but whatever.
0: But yeah, like the links with like Cameron Carter-Vickers, like no thanks, man, not interested.
1: <laughs> we've we've seen that movie already. Yeah, yeah. I think John is interesting because like he is a high volume dribbler and like beats a man and does some stuff. And yes, it's it's Scotland, and so who knows if it's an actually good player? But Boskogu is like, no, I think he's worth buying.
2: Yeah, I mean, stood. small sample size, but his his European numbers are very good. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, he did well. I mean, his Celtic team played well in the Champions League, even though they got their asses beat constantly. <laughs> like they still did stuff.
0: Well Who's the other game. the younger kid that plays like the free eight role? His name's like Matt or the Danish
1: guy
2: O'Reilly.
0: Yeah, was mm. oh, he Danish? I thought he was. Scottish. There's,
2: there's some Danish guy with a not very Danish name on yeah, Celtic yeah. that Brighton was linked with.
0: Yeah, maybe that guy. I don't know.
2: But, yeah, I'm not really excited about any other players. I'm just glad we haven't been linked with any of them, really. Like, there's been all the links you see about Spurs with a Celtic player generally, like, what seems to be, like, a lazy link in the star or something where it's just, like, who could Spurs get on Celtic, so.
0: Yeah, unlike last summer where we were linked with every Inter Milan player that ever existed
2: and every Italian player. Yeah, which was lazy in a different way. Um, uh, This comes from... Rob Dirks, I think this is the most important question we're going to get this week. He wants to know, amongst the three of you, who is the best and worst cook? So, Rob, I want you to know that we all
0: discussed this before the show. And we before we even really discussing anything.
2: We didn't even, like, discuss this. We just, like, communed and came up with an answer. Yeah, like, right.
0: Ben and I decided automatically that Greg <laughs> is the worst of the three of us. Like, that's we don't, fair. That's I, fair. I'm not going to. That's, never, I'm not gonna, Ben's that's not... food Ben's never eaten my food, but we all just know Greg is the worst.
1: Look, I have talked to Greg, and I have eaten with Greg. And I know You've for had food cooked by Greg. It was not I've, that bad. I but, know for sure that Greg has a limited palate and a oh limited my willingness God. to cook. You don't eat vegetables.
2: I do, just reluctantly.
1: <laughs> but he
2: does
0: eat cotton candy and foie gras, so I, who knows?
2: I See? See? Sorry, you're very bold. I contain multitudes.
0: Yeah, but if that cotton candy and foie gras had also had, like, I don't know, asparagus with it, he would have been out.
2: I, mean, I just wouldn't have eaten asparagus, so, you know.
0: He <laughs> just picked it off.
2: I mean, first of all, first of all, if they put cotton candy and foie gras with asparagus, like, I am not the problem in this, like, equation. Right. Yeah, no, you're, right, foie you're, foie right, gras, you're right,
1: you're you're Normal and fine. You bring asparagus to the table. Yes, correct, insane. correct.
0: <laughs> we all sound so bougie discussing our foie gras. <laughs> But well, yeah, Greg's the is, worst, and then gonna do you're either gonna Ben or I might be the best. It doesn't really matter.
2: The, <laughs> the important, important thing is, is Greg's the worst. <laughs> Yeah,
0: that's what's important. All right. I'm it and up. you have someone that you could actually be cooking for. Ben and I are just doing it for our own enjoyment at this point.
2: Yeah, I live in New York. I can order food, like, from anywhere in the world. <laughs> oh, like, we don't live
0: in real cities?
2: No, Miami, just, and, Miami Atlanta. and Atlanta. No, there's you no guys food. Live in suburbs. There. Thank you very much. You live in like condos. You live in like East Harlem. <laughs> like, <didn't> he... <laughs> yeah, that's right, Vato. Fucking... <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, wow,
1: metropolitan
2: Manhattan.
0: This this uh, oh, what it did, it's,
2: it's uh, uh You know, I live in East Harlem. Doesn't mean I can't get real food. Is that what you're saying? You know, is that is that what you think of La Raza, Ben?
1: Yeah, I think the the bevy <laughs> of New York multicultural bounty does not extend into the hundred and fifties. Oh, oh, okay.
2: <laughs> I I see how it is. I see. I see which cultures matter to you, Ben. Oh, they all
1: matter. Uh, all cultures uh, matter. Uh, let me be very clear. Uh, uh, I see. I see. Ben a,
0: Daniels quickly. coming out as an all lives matter truth. Let me, there.
1: Let me do a quick land acknowledgement here, and and make clear that all cultures matter. <laughs> Uh, no. Greg can't cook. <laughs> I important. can't. I
2: cannot. But when I, I can cook. order pizza in New York or, like, Cuban food, it's like, why the hell would I? Oh, so.
0: uh, if I you want cook. Cuban food.
1: Yeah, really, you're going to drop Cuban food on Brian? Yeah, like, what did it, why didn't you pick any other nationality? <laughs> I don't like, know.
0: Like, the one where I'm like, no, it's better here. <laughs>
2: the other is like puerto rican which is probably also the same answer there so
0: no i don't think so i think you're probably you probably yeah you're
2: probably right um now we've lost everyone um hypothetically this comes from uh silky low var um hypothetically if spurs ever get relegated to the championship will you continue supporting them on podcasts i guarantee you mr Silky low VAR, no one on this podcast has the emotional fortitude to talk about a Tottenham Hotspur team every week that gets relegated. Like, I don't know what it would take for us to stop recording this, but that's probably it. Yeah, I mean, Ben, if, you really look like you want to say
1: something. I don't know, man. We'd be really good at the championship. <laughs> like how much more fun every week would be like, we won 6-0 against... I did not even think of a championship team. Uh Champions City. Wednesday.
2: Getting there wouldn't be that fun, though. <laughs> so. No.
1: The season we got relegated is the season we would stop doing the podcast. Yes.
2: <laughs> yeah. We would quit in, like, February.
1: The next and then season... we'd like,
0: you know, we'd, we'd come back, we'd talk in July, and then we'd come back and, you know, we're like... Well, but maybe it would be fun if we podcasted after we beat Plymouth Argyle or Preston North End or whoever the fuck else is in the shape. Millwall. Like, come on. Uh, I don't know. I just.
2: I'd keep being a fan. I would. We'd yeah, probably I would keep being a fan. Earth I don't know if I would record myself talking about them every week.
1: I don't know. We could watch them every week Should have a podcast.
2: Uh, Paul H. wants to know, why is dad living with the crazy family down the street? Uh, I keep forgetting the Pochettinos at Chelsea. That's going to be weird.
0: Yeah, there's been so much weird stuff that's already happened this offseason. Like, you know, Lionel Messi, all the Saudi Arabia stuff that I really had put put away that Pochettino was going to manage Chelsea. And um, I don't know how i'm gonna feel about that like it's first of all i don't know what Chelsea's squad is gonna look like so i don't know if i should be like concerned that he's gonna be good there or if it's gonna be great and very cathartic because he's gonna like fail horribly um but, yeah, i just uh i don't know it's gonna be i i think the the first chelsea game be very very interesting
2: I think it's going to depend. It's all going to be about where the trajectories are. If, like, we're still trying to figure it out and they, they're humming, like, I mean, it could be real ugly. But conversely, like, if they're not doing well, but we're doing great, who the hell knows? Um, I kind of now care even more about beating Chelsea. Yeah, I want new dad to beat old. I want I want the dad who stepped up to beat the dad who stepped back. So yeah. Uh, yeah. That,
1: Let's guess, be very clear. We have a new dad. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and we're going to show up no hotter and in dad. better shape, and we're going to do attacking things that the old dad doesn't even know about, because, you know, he's stuck in the past.
1: Yeah, new dad works for Nintendo, and he's got me all the best games from Japan. New, new, dad. Dad, bought me, new dad
2: bought me a Foster's. This is just a beer. It's like two beers. So like, what old, old dad, dad, dad suggested I place? take a
0: Rubik's Cube to Ocean Gate.
2: <laughs> and anyway. New dad bought me cigarettes. Old dad just smells like them now, so... I, I think the weird thing about Chelsea is they have they been linked with like I mean they they have all these outgoings which are obviously designed to facilitate incomings but like and, and correct me if I'm wrong because I haven't been paying super close attention I feel like Owana is like the only good player they've been tangibly linked with this summer I mean they signed come already but I okay that is good for them but I'm talking about like new like moving forward. Did, I mean, well, who they sign? Oh, they sign Nico Williams of all people to like
1: Nico Jackson. Here Nico Jackson.
2: Go. Sorry, not Nico Williams. I'm getting we want to time. sign Nico Williams. Yeah, uh, but like that's incredibly underwhelming. I just don't feel like Chelsea even linked with very many like impressive signings this summer. It's
0: which I, I think they have so much so to this. do to get under that June 30th FFP or whatever deadline that they're just not really focusing on that right now or or, or, or the press certainly isn't. Um, I don't know what they're doing behind the scenes, obviously, but like, I don't, I, I'm sure that the, the amount of stupid money they've gotten from Saudi Arabia, that they'll be able to spend some amount of money.
1: Yeah. They don't
0: look like Kaisato lately. Like they're, they'll do things. Yeah. And I mean, they're getting also, you know, money from like Arsenal for Havertz maybe and they from City for Kovacic like they're actually you know they're not just getting you know Saudi slush fund money they're 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 acc- selling it to you know other people too um so th- they'll have I'm sure more flexibility kind of later in the window um and and who knows what Pochettino will maybe by Tongi and
2: Jesus, he's um, always yeah.
1: wanted to manage him.
2: I'm I'm sure that links will develop, but I don't know that that will be weird. Um, let's Sausage see. Sausage links. Uh, Eric Cromwell uh, wants to know. Uh, Brian, I think this one for you is for you. Is this an Inter Miami podcast now? It should be.
0: I mean, we've just signed Messi, Busquets. We're going to sign Alba. Uh, we no, not Alba. Al Alba. Jordi Alba. Not David Alaba, <laughs> different people.
1: Hey, quick question: How many games in a row have you guys lost?
0: I've never watched a game. I couldn't. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Um, no, I we we're not good. It's fine. <laughs> this
2: um, is the worst team in MLS. Like it's going to be really interesting to see. You know, we started exactly off exactly how bad the league is when Messi.
0: We started out. off pretty well, um, but you know, all the all the. Um, You know, major media outlets are saying that we could maybe finish like seventh or eighth and sneak into the playoffs. Um,
1: It's all politics.
0: Yeah, I I have no idea. I mean, we need a manager, first of all. So we we, I say it like I care about Um, Inter-Miami. They need a manager. Too
2: good for Phil Neville, huh?
0: Yeah, too good for Phil Neville. But maybe we'll get Tata Martino and then he and Lionel Messi can be together to joyously not speak English. Um, you know, so I'm sure they would love that.
1: It'd be um, nice for them to find a third place to not win a trophy together.
0: So, <laughs> yeah, that would be fun, wouldn't it? Um,
1: and it's
2: seven, seven losses in a row. Just, just for your awareness. Just in case. Ben, you haven't started paying attention to MLS again, have you?
1: No, but you see things like that because it's funny.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it is funny, and and also you know like we shouldn't be allowed to win a lot of matches in a row because despite having really cool colors, we have super shitty jerseys. Um, so you know, I, I wish us nothing but the worst.
2: All right, so our final question comes from you know first time listener. We always love to have those on the podcast. Reno Wall about he wants to know with James Madison supposedly on the way, what other founding father? Would have made the best summer signing. I think it's Edward Rutledge as the youngest founding father. We really need a uh, sort of young, up and coming. You can't uh, just make up people. Edward Rutledge, man, you, you yeah. should look it up. Wayne Rutledge, really good signing in 2020. <laughs> yeah, he's Canadian. Yeah, no, we,
0: That's fine.
2: Young and up and coming founding fathers. We don't need 27 year olds. We we need them, you know, fresh, ready to contribute to do- government documents for years to come.
0: Something about Alexander Hamilton and immigrants getting the job done. I don't know. What do you want from me, Reno?
2: (laughs) On that note, I think it's time to wrap this bad boy up. We've gone quite a bit. We will, again, podcast as uh, circumstances warrant this summer. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Ben? I
1: don't know. You're like the fucking Dortmund watcher of... (laughs) founding fathers Fathers. Like, he's like oh
0: hey this people. guy he's like 16 but he signed the declaration of independence
2: there's this crazy thing you guys might have heard of called google I highly recommend you check it out it gives right, you all Danny sorts of crazy answers I'll get answers. right
1: on it I'll, I'll, I'll get there Danny
2: yeah youngest founding father it'll give you some real interesting results anyway what, <laughs> Christ.
0: what kind of interesting results
1: Greg's <laughs> getting real libertarian on us yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's
2: what I'm doing. Anyway, uh, Ben, where the can people find you? The age of
1: consent to sign the Declaration of Independence should have been way lower, in my opinion.
2: <laughs> it, should, it should have been. It should have been. Ben, where can people find you on the internet?
1: <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at ComradeUspers. Brian,
2: where can people find you on the internet? You want to
0: end so quickly. Um, you can find yeah. me on Twitter at Brian underscore Ashlock. That is Brian with a Y.
2: And you can find me on Twitter at Skipjack0079. Don't forget to follow our podcast at WDR Podcast. As That's WDR as in Wheelie Dealer Radio. And for Ben, for Brian, for Brett Rainbow, and of course for Edward Rutledge, I've been your host, Greg. <laughs> Come on, you Spurs.